There you go. One perfect pop song. That is The Smiths and the track called I Started Something from the album Strange Ways. Here we come. This is David Eastall and this is The C86 Show. Hello once again, dear pop pickers. Yes, it's that time of the week where the world is going to be absolutely wonderful because it's me, David Esau, back on the airwaves with the C86 show, bringing you the finest in indie pop from the golden decade that was the 80s. And this week, 
we always like a special guest and it's a very special guest because it is the British singer-songwriter, guitarist, one-time member of the legendary cult 70s outfit, The Soft Boys. Yes, it's Robin Hitchcock. So I'll be bringing you that interview throughout the show. A lot... Yes, it's going to be quality chat, obviously. Um, So that and the usual award-worthy playlist. But all I want you to do is sit back, relax and just enjoy the next 60 minutes. So turn up your stereos and like I said, it's going to be pop perfection. And I'm going to start with the song that introduced me to Robin Hitchcock. I probably jumped on the bandwagon a bit too, well, a bit later than most people. But anyway, this is If You Were a Priest. Time away to be with you 
Yes, it was reviewed in the uh, the Rough Guide to Cult Pop, and that song was to quote a goth masterpiece of dune beauty and ruined elegance. Yes, that was Charlotte Hunt sometimes from the one no need the cure, and that came out um, as a single in 1981. It didn't even get included on an album. I think it went on to a best of eventually. But anyway, there you go. The 80s. It was tricky, but we did have a lot of good music. And before that, we had Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians with that classic. If you were a priest, oh, if I was a priest, I think that's it. I must get that right. I must edit that last bit out. Yes, if you were a priest. And that was from their album Element of Light that came out in 1986 on the Midnight Music Records. Anyway, Robin Hitchcock is the special guest on this week's show. Yes, it's David Eastor and it is the C86 show. And if you'd like to contact me, you can via Twitter or Facebook. Go to at C86 show. I'll be there. And it's always good to get your messages. But as you can tell, I'm slightly hyperventilating with excitement. Simon, because, well, like I said, Robin Hitchcock, bit of a hero, so it was very exciting to track him down and get that interview. So I'll be bringing you that um, little, you know, like four pieces of the interview throughout the rest of the show, but um, not quite yet, dear listener, no. But another track from the album Element of Light. This is Airscape. Take it away, Robin.
There you go. Sing along with Susie and the Banshees there you from the album Through the Looking Glass that came out in 1987. That was obviously Iggy Pops, The Passenger. And before that, we had the unmistakable sound of Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians with a track called Escape. And that was from their album Element of Life. Hello, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show. And uh, as you may know, if you've been paying attention, it's the Robin Hitchcock special because he's my special guest. Thank you, Robin, for being my special guest. That's all I have to say. So I'm going to bring you the next bit of the interview, well, the first bit of the interview, right after we've heard another song from Robin Hitchcock. This is a track called So You Think You're In Love. So you think you're in love. Indeed. There you go. That's uh, Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians and the track called So You Think You're In Love. Oh, steady on there. Let's edit that last bit out. I know, we love perfection here on the show. Anyway, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show, and this is the first part of my interview with Robin Hitchcock as I ask him a bit about the 80s as we reminisce like old people do. It was only 30 years ago plus. Anyway, the 80s, we loved it. It was, you know, Thatcher, Scargill, what not to like. Anyway, take it away, Robin. Well, the thing about the 80s is that they seem like a, you know, an alien distant future. And I still think of it, like, think of them like that. But actually now, the 80s is quaint. It's it's over 35 years since the 80s began. So it's historic. It's it's almost got a, like a preservation order on it. Um, 
you know, all all the things that seemed alien and disturbing and and intimidating and now are now old. They're in a museum. Yes. Everything always looks better as you look back in a bizarre way. Um yes. I suppose if things got <laughs> if history got worse as you receded from it, I wonder what that would do. It would I mean, it, it, we have a sort of yeah inbuilt factor. The further things are, but I mean that's not necessarily true of the Holocaust, no, or the Battle of the Somme, <laughs> um, or or the the atomic bombs. I mean, history is also peppered with atrocities, but maybe our own personal lives, yeah. There's well, a well, of, well, the kind of aspect that, that, that settles as things get, you know, your life recedes into the past. Each decade adds a layer of a, a layer of sort of gold or something, you know, like like the filters you, you can use on a phone on a camera, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I realise. I mean, because because another album that you appeared on, which we used to play an awful lot, that you might even you may not even own a copy, was one which was the anti-poll tax one, where it was titled "Elvin Lives in Leeds," the anti-poll tax um, oh, yeah, compilation, yeah. which you did a lovely version of "Kung Fu Fighting" on, and um, I did. And, I don't think I do have a copy of it. No. No, that probably only came out on CD, didn't it? Oh no, God, Did it this come is out on LP. This was an album, and I don't, I don't probably think. Oh my um, gosh, really? I don't think CDs. This was 1990, the uh, the, yeah. the years of Margaret. So um, yes, and that was another time when we sort of uh, yes, I came across across you. So how did you? I mean, because you were born in England, weren't you? You sort of your yeah, form, yeah. your yeah, formative born years. In, born in London, mm. and. Um, and so, how was your early years? Because you were obviously with the Soft Boys to the Egyptians, which was over a sort of nearly twenty years. So, how did your musical sort of career develop from then? Well, I actually went. I went to live in Cambridge. Um, I was, I was more from the west, from sort of Hampshire, and then I was in London, and then I went to. Cambridge to to go and look for other musicians. Um, it was a good place to do it in a funny way because it was a much smaller it was a smaller pool than London. And yes. I think as a young man, I was rather overwhelmed by London. Now, I couldn't really deal with London until I was till I was in my thirties or even forties, um, and. Um, so Cambridge just, you know, was a smaller group of people to find, to work through. And uh, so I I started looking for people and playing the folk clubs. That was the other thing. I'm just, I'm just remembering, of course, yeah. There were an awful lot of folk clubs in Cambridge, you know, where you could do floor spots. Yeah. You know, you can get up and do, I don't know if that's still the case, but you could, uh, it's called, they call them open mic nights now. And they, they, there is a um, lot of them as well. Uh, or it, it, my memory of the folk club scene was that they would book a guest who would play 
play sort of two half-hour sets, and prior to those sets, there would be floor singers who were just whoever could, you know, queue up and put their name down to play, and they 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 were varying quality. Most of them were worth paying to see, including me. But that was how I started. So I played a lot of folk clubbed um, open mic nights in Cambridge, and in the course of two years, I managed to recruit the people that were in the soft boys um and god this is 40 years ago now isn't it <laughs> it is a long time it wasn't very it, i mean it wasn't very exciting nothing very exciting happened but it was very exciting getting getting gigs I bet it was. Yes, that's uh, Robin Hitchcock. And the first part of the interview, I've got another three little nuggets to come up. But um, to keep the party rolling, I think we should play another track from Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. This is Balloon Man. I was walking up
Nothing wrong with that. That is a track called Blue Man by Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. And that came out on the album Globe Globe of Frogs. So there you have it. That was 1987. One of the best years of music, if not the best years of music ever, ever in the history of rock and pop. Anyway, the second part of my interview with Robin Hitchcock, where we talk about the career of music, because with doing this show, one thing I've learned is that most bands and artists have about five years where they do their thing and then it all goes slightly pear-shaped and then they go off and then they come back and they go off and they come back. You get the general gist, gist. but there are a few artists who don't go away because they're just so rock and roll. And this is, uh, and Robin is one of those. So I talk about the, uh, yes, how did he manage to keep probably four or five decades in the world of rock pop and all that exciting stuff. Well, I don't know. I've just kept going. But I mean, I suppose everybody that has kept going has kept going. So I know a lot of people who did start a while back um, and they are still going. And some of them in much more spectacular style than me. I... um, God, I just saw uh, Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics, who is about my age, and actually who must have had his first record deal in something like 1971. Yes. Um, he gave me his memoir. Um, and, you know, uh, I guess he went through all that. Um, Nick Lowe's still going. He's, yes. he's an old friend of mine. He's, he was a neighbour of mine in West London for ages. Um, and and then there were Captain the... Sensible. He's still going from the Damned. My God, the Damned are over. Damned have had forty years now. You know? They have. And, and... I, I know what you. I know what you're talking about. But but there are also a certain number of people who kind of manage to you manage to take off, and you don't. You don't have to land. Like well, a, as long as you've got enough to keep you going, you don't really need money when you're dead, do you? You don't need money, but you realise that that's why people keep going. And that's quite something, because a lot of the bands said, actually, we just needed to get a proper life, a proper job, and do those sort of things. I think it's harder for bands. I mean, yeah, definitely, especially now. And it's also harder to rely on record sales. I mean, you know, even successful people like Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan, they keep, they keep gigging, you know. And I mean, I'm sure it's ex- expensive to do the kind of shows they do, but they, they're making money. Um, yes. People are all at different levels, you know, I'm sure Paul McCartney is wealthier than Captain Sensible. He might even be wealthier than... I'm sure he's wealthier than Ron Wood, you know. If we had X-ray <laughs> eyes and we could see into everybody's wallets, we'd see who'd be at the top of the list. It would probably be McCartney. Possibly. Um, Depends if you get how many times you get divorced, really, isn't it, on that case? Well, there's the alimony factor, yeah. That's, that's a good point. I mean, that, a... that eats into your finances. Stick with cats. A, cats... Lot, a lot of musicians who, you know, if you, when you do get divorced, your earnings are then taken into consideration and... Um, Yes. Your, your wealth is taken consideration, and and that can go to your ex, um, depending on the circumstances. But if you, you know, as it, it's likely that the the musician has left the non-musician, but not always. Yeah. Yes, and when you, I mean, going back to my ever my first single that I bought of you, 
um, which was the if if you were a priest. If I mean, you were a priest, yeah. Was that that's particularly years ago. was that a particularly fond period in your recording days? Oh well, I'd already been. Gosh, I mean, I was ten, nearly ten years into it. That came out in. 1986. It's your show, the C86 show. That's right. Well, there you are then. It was 86. So my first EP had come out with the, 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 my band, the Soft Boys, came out in 1977. Um, and so I had a fair bit of traffic, and this one came out in 86. Um, I think it was the only thing we did that ever got into the British indie charts. It was something like number 26 or something in the indie top 30. Yes. Um, and, uh, gosh, I remember David Quantic didn't like it. He gave us a fairly bad review in the NME, although he'd liked our, he'd liked my album the year before, Fegmania. <laughs> I mean, it was doing well. We we would we would sort of taking off. We me, me and the Egyptians at that phase, which included some old soft boys, um, that was taking off in in the states around then. So it was it was a fun period. I eighty six. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I I did some. I mean, we we did some shows in Britain, uh, but we were touring over here now. And, um, yes, nice one. And also there was a slight reference, if you were paying attention, when he mentions, well, when I mentioned cats instead of getting divorced, that was because at the, first, at the beginning of that interview, he um, asked me to hang on for a few seconds because he was feeding his cats at the time. And um, I think he just got one and it was giving him a lot of grief, as cats sometimes do. So uh, there you go. That's the second part of my interview of, with Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. And as you also would have heard, that he mentioned Captain Sensible and I thought, let's play a track by the dam. And let's not play one of the obvious ones. This is Generals from the album Strawberries. Big city, all stretched out, revenge is not so sweet. Once proud, once sold devout, the tired and they are weak. They came from There's nobody left they can blame 
There you go, that is The Damned and the track called Generals from their 1982 album Strawberries. A nice little bit of, um, yes, keyboard and brass section there, just to give it a bit more of a production value. Anyway, David Eastall, The C86 Show, and if you'd like to contact me, you can via email or Twitter. Just go to at C86 Show and all will be there. Anyway, this is the third part of my interview with Robin when I ask him what he's been up to and what he's doing at that right moment. Well, vaguely. Anyway... Um, well, I'm sort of permanently on tour, really, and um, so I I will be going. In fact, I'm doing some I'm doing some shows next week with a, a band that I opened for 37 years ago in Britain, the Psychedelic Furs, um, and I, I'm a big fan of the Furs, and uh, they, they are in origin a British band. The the, the two brothers, Richard and Tim Butler, and they have a, another British guitarist, uh, Rich Good, who wasn't in the original band. But they're all based over here. Um, so they're expatriate Brits, and they, they play their 1980s oeuvre, and they, they sound, it's intact, you know, the guitar sound, everything just sounds like the record. Yes. Richard Butler's sort of in good voice and good shape, and um, they stand there with their sunglasses and, and <laughs> um i suppose they're a bit more it's a bit more pantomime and a bit sort of a bit less menacing perhaps than it was I'm back sure. in 1980 but i think that's what happens to us i think us brits as we get older as we get more we turn into pantomime characters <laughs> you know you look at johnny rotten or or nick jagger um yes. Or Dave Vaney, and you know, I mean, I don't know whether st- that applies to somebody like Sting, or I don't know, even Elvis Costello in a funny way. <laughs> um, we're all, um, yeah, we're just sort of, I think we just become sort of pantomime dames, really. Well, I do think that and, is going to be the case. I think it is the case with Morrissey, isn't it, really? And Morrissey, totally, totally, you know. It's, it's, um, <laughs> And uh, you know we're we're all sort of yeah yeah so so I'm opening for them I'm just playing acoustic guitar so so it's a nice simple show and um, for me and then and then the band comes on which is the first so you get this great contrast between me being a bit folky kind of sounding and then 
and then the full 80s the machine that is the psychedelic furs comes on um, and I, I, I really love their I love to love their sound and a lot of their songs so I I sort of listen to their show every night. So we're doing a few dates on the West Coast next week. Excellent. And then, yeah, then I'm doing something in Portland. I'm playing in Edinburgh. Um, that hasn't been announced yet, I think, but I'm I'm doing some incredible string band uh, tribute event. Oh, I'm coming back to Britain for the first time in a bit, and then I'm and I'm back here again. Um, and I've just put a record out, so I don't suppose I'll have a record out for a bit. I'm doing a bit of film music, um, and then I, I, I will be off um, in Australia before Christmas, I think, and then hopefully some British shows in February or March. Nice. Um, well, that's going to be very exciting. There you go. February, March next year. Hopefully, Robin Hitchcock will be coming this direction. Hopefully. Anyway, now we are nearly counting down to the last 15 minutes of the show, and I think we should play another song from Robin Hitchcock. This is from the album Black Snake Diamond Roll. This is a track. This is actually the opening track. This is the one that's called The Man Who Invented Himself. Looking out. 
There you go, another track from Robin Hitchcock without the Egyptians and the track called The Man Who Invented Himself. Now, this is the uh, fourth and final part, and it's a little short one where I ask Robin if he ever gave up or was attempted to give up music. Survive. Yeah, I have pretty much. There was a point when I, I, I did a bit of gardening and I was writing lyrics for Captain Sensible, in fact. I wasn't putting my own records out. Um... But uh, around a couple of years in the early 80s, I sort of retired. I wasn't, I wasn't gigging. But uh, no, I, I've, I keep going. I'm self-sufficient, thanks. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what would you say to your 18-year-old self starting out in the, 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 the exciting waters that is rock and roll? I would say, Jesus, hang on, young Robin. You know, sooner or later, you'll be living in Nashville with three cats, 100 guitars, uh, a gorgeous Australian wife and an adoring public, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've had an incredibly, I'm incredibly lucky. I, I'm 64, and I, at a time when my peers are retiring, you know, sliding into impotence and losing their hair and, you know, the next stop, the old folks' home. I'm here living like a 25-year-old. I mean, but, you know, I could drop dead at any moment. Um, my heart could give out. I could, I could, you know, who knows, who knows what's inside me? I don't know. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, there's no safety net here, so I'd have to go back to Britain to die if I made it, um, or down to Australia if I could get in, you know. <laughs> so, um, I, I, you know, it's precarious for sure, but the world is precarious. I don't know. And that... On that solemn note is the last part of my interview with Robin Hitchcock. So thank you ever so, ever so much for giving me the time. And we've got, a, um, yes, enough enough time to give a, a few more tracks. I think we're going to play something from the psychedelic verse as he was talking about touring with them very recently. This is Love My Way.
Yes, time to fade out. That is the psychedelic first and the track called Love My Way. And that pretty much brings the show to a close. So thank you once again for listening. This has been David Easton on the C86 show. And a huge thanks to Robin Hitchcock for giving me the time for that particular interview. I'll leave you with a track from, I think, one of his most recent, if not last album. This is the opening one called The Ghost in You, which was written by Richard Butler and his brother Tim, who were the psychedelic first. And it's also a record that's been produced by Joe Boyd. Yes, he who did the incredible string band Nick Drake and um, early Pink Floyd. So there you go. And lots of other stuff as well. But anyway, thank you for listening and here is The Ghost in You. One, two, three, four. Side and